0: Chapter 44 The Excellency of the Divine Loving-Kindness How precious is your loving-kindness, O God, and the children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings! Psalm 36, 7. There are two special things, fitting the one to the other. One, divine loving-kindness, and two, human trust. One. Divine loving kindness. How precious is your loving kindness, O God! David speaks as one who had known it, who had tasted that the Lord is gracious. Here he is telling his experience to God himself, but in the hearing of man, so that he may know it too. He speaks because he believed and felt. His whole history had been an exhibition of the loving kindness of the Lord, as indeed is the history of each of us and this loving kindness is genuine true and deep there is no pretense about it it is as true as god himself god is love 1 john 4:16 god being rich in mercy ephesians 2:4 god so loved the world john 3:16 there's nothing more real than the love of god but it is not of its reality that David speaks here. He takes that for granted. No one who knows Jehovah could doubt it, but it is of its excellence that he speaks. God's love is such an excellent and glorious thing. It is precious beyond all gems or gold, for that is the meaning of the word. It is the most costly and rare of all things. It is beyond all price and all excellence of earth. What can equal in costliness the love of God? Its preciousness is measured by the gift it gave and by the innumerable gifts contained in that one gift life, pardon, salvation, peace, and the glory to be revealed. In this love there are unsearchable riches, exceeding riches of grace. There are no riches to be compared to this great love of God. Having it, we are rich indeed. Without it, we are poor, life is blank, and eternity is dark. 2. Human Trust It is of Adam's sons that David speaks. The children of men take refuge in the shadow of your wings. That is, they take themselves to you as their refuge. God's character is then the basis of human confidence. That character is the attraction to the sinner. For it is just such a character as suits him, irrespective of his being anything but a man and a sinner. This love that so suits the sinner and calls forth his confidence is that which is exhibited in the cross of Christ. That cross is the revelation of God's love as a righteous thing, and thus appeals both to man's heart and his conscience. The love furnishes the ground for trust, and the cross removes every reason for distrust. Let us here note the following. 1. Man's Ignorance of God With the Bible in his hand, he still does not know God. He worships an unknown God. They do not know me, Jeremiah 9, 3, is God's testimony against man. Ignorance of God is a sin of no common heinousness. 2. Man's Mistakes as to God he imagines him to be such a one as himself. He entertains a bad opinion of him. He thinks of him as a God still to be appeased by work, prayer, or sacrifice. He mistakes his character, his words, and his gospel. 3. Man's distance from God. Departure from God is the sinner's own act. He has fled from God, and he prefers this state of distance. He doesn't like the idea of nearness. To get as far from God as possible is his goal, and not only does he depart from God, but he also says to God, Depart from me. And for man's distrust of God. He does not merely mistake God, but he also thoroughly distrusts Him. He cannot imagine God to be anything but his enemy. He has no confidence in Him. He cannot feel himself safe in the hands of God. To be simply at the mercy of God without claim, merit, or recommendation is a hateful as well as a dreadful thought. Let us note God's remedy for all of these. It's a double one subjective and objective. Subjective. The subjective is the moral or spiritual rectification of nature and character by the power of the Holy Spirit. You must be born again. John 3, 7. It is the recreating, the transforming of the whole man, enabling him to love what he hated and to hate what he loved. It is the renewal of every part of a man's soul and being, creating him in Christ unto good works, for we are his workmanship, we are the clay, and he is the potter. And Objective This is the representation given of himself in his revelation he shows himself to the sinner in an aspect at once gracious and glorious. He makes himself to be seen as the sinner's friend and not his enemy. He unveils and unfolds his whole character as the God of all grace, the merciful and gracious Lord God, pardoning iniquity, transgression, and sin. It is to the overshadowing, protecting wings of God that David points us to, Those wings of which the Lord spoke as stretched out to shelter Jerusalem, those wings under which Israel encamped or marched through the desert. He stretches out his wings and calls. He tells us of a sure and sufficient shelter, and bids us at once to take refuge there. These wings are broad, large, and strong, fitted to shelter all the sons of Adam. And thus, stretched out, they themselves invite us. They contain their own invitation. They say, Come and be safe, come and be blessed, come and be sheltered from present wrath and from the wrath to come. Come, for all things are ready. The love is ready, the deliverance is ready, the protection is ready. Oh, well with those who have taken shelter beneath the shadow of the everlasting wing. To those who see no danger and desire no security, these expanded wings may be nothing. For what is a saviour to a sinner that does not know his peril but to those who know what wrath is and what sin is what condemnation is and what the judgment to come is who know that God is a consuming fire Hebrews 12:29 that the day of vengeance is coming and that an unpardoned unreconciled sinner must then have to face an angry God that wing that hiding place that shelter that saviour are of infinite preciousness and seeing in that outstretched wing the loving kindness of a Lord, they take themselves eagerly to its shelter. And as the children of men, the sons of Adam, the sinners of humanity, they put their trust beneath its shadow.